Hello, and welcome to UQ Life Abroad. This week, we discuss the newly expanded language laws and their effectiveness within society. We also look at some interesting changes to Netflix. This and more on Sakardonyu Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. Before we begin our first story, I would like to spotlight an important event that will be taking place in the diaspora. The Ukrainian Cultural Association in the UK will be hosting an online winter fairy tale puppetry extravaganza on Saturday the 30th of January. Uh, now, this is an initiative put together in partnership with British Ukrainian Aid, and all proceeds from this event will be going towards helping disadvantaged children and orphan children in Ukraine. So as mentioned, the show will be online via Zoom and is titled The Reindeer with Golden Antlers and is performed by the Lviv State Puppet Theatre Actors. Ticket prices are a minimum of a £5 donation to British Ukrainian aid and can be bought at ukr.cultural.association.uk at gmail.com. Uh, I definitely suggest checking out this event and donating to help children that are struggling in Ukraine. Now, our first story today has to do with changes to the Ukrainian language laws. Uh, so, Alexa, want to start us off? On January 16th, the latest part of Ukraine's language law came into force, and they deal with how businesses should um, interact with their customers. And what it basically does is that it forces all businesses in Ukraine to speak to their clients in Ukrainian first, and then if their customers wish to proceed the purchase or transaction in another language, which the store is capable to converse in, then they're allowed to swap to that other language. Now, this law is part of uh, that language law that was passed during the last weeks of Poroshenko's presidency, and it came into force in July 16th, 2019. And since then, it has progressively been transforming Ukraine's uh, political, cultural, and like business um, sphere to become more Ukrainian focused and centric. So what do you guys think of these latest changes to Ukraine's like economy and business? I think it's a good initiative because it brings, it brings language into the forefront. It's another way that Ukraine can combat this, um, uh, combat the Russian influence that you, that it has over Ukraine. Um, so I'm kind of on the negative side for this one. I think that the law, like, I understand what they're trying to do. I just don't think it's a long-term fix. I feel like it's more a short-term, um, solution. And like Alexi was saying, where someone can, you know, they have to greet their customer in Ukrainian first and then talk in Russian. I feel like that's going to- If the to, customer asks. If the customer asks. I feel like that's kind of going to- fall away and slip because like once people know their customers oh i know this customer talks russian well then they're just going to start talking russian to them um in the first place i think the long-term solution uh which is what they already did that ukrainian schools have to teach in ukrainian because this issue that they're having now is a generational issue it started many years ago and so it has to have a long-term generational solution and so fixing it with one generation isn't 
going to work. It's going to take, you know, two or three generations of kids going through school, learning Ukrainian, then they transfer that to their kids who go through school learning Ukrainian. So then by the third generation, you have a fluent, more Ukrainian-focused society just in general. And then obviously then from there flows on businesses and so forth. So that's how I feel the main, well, what the main solution is. And so, yes, this does look like a good solution, but I feel like it's not going to be as effective as education. I think you're just focusing too much on just this one particular theme because like you mentioned earlier, they're already doing schools and uni as well in Ukrainian, and that's already one, two generations after all these adults, right? Yeah. But I think it's more about getting into the habit that Ukrainian should come first as a priority language because it is the state language. You don't want to be speaking... I know, French, for example, first in Ukraine. It doesn't make any sense, though. But, like, what about, like, groups like Crimean Tatar? So, they're exempt under the laws. So, the Crimean Tatar channel is allowed to continue broadcasting in Crimean Tatar. And so do any of the other, like, EU-recognized languages in Ukraine. So, that's why UA Today, which is, I think, Ukraine's English um, language TV station, they're allowed to continue broadcasting in English, because it's exempt under the law. Yeah, no, I just think it's a bad precedent when you have the government selecting which languages they think you can, they deem appropriate to talk. Like you mentioned French. Uh, for me, I don't see, if you're a French businessman in um, Ukraina, I think you should be able to conduct your business in French if you wish. Well, you see, in Australia, right, we have all these... Chinese or Vietnamese, right, or Japanese businesses, right? And sure, it makes sense that if the cons- if the customer talks first in their native language, right, and the owner can respond, then it works, right? But um, say someone that's not that nationality, it doesn't really work if the business conducts in another language first. It, it makes it look weird for the customer because it's like, I'm in Australia but they're speaking. They're not even speaking English to me. I get that. Like, it's not like I'm going to walk into a store. Like, I get that if you're talking to someone who wants to talk in Ukrainian, you should talk to them in Ukrainian, obviously. But it's kind of like if I, let's say, a Chinese person is in a restaurant and a Chinese waiter comes up to them, they have to greet them in English first before talking Chinese. Okay. That's kind of like why I don't. I feel like they're just going to be like your. But scroll. how do you feel about? Because the other aspects of the law, which I think are quite good, is that it now forces like businesses on their websites, it has to default into Ukrainian first. Oh, yeah, I think that I think that's a good and, idea. And um, the Ukrainian language version of the website has to be just as detailed as any of the other language versions. Yeah, so- yeah, yeah. I think that's all good. But it's kind of just the greeting one, because I know you mentioned before how in social or in groups people will talk Ukrainian, but then if they go outside their group, they tend to talk Russian because they naturally default to Russian is the more... Yeah, it's like this weird like stereotype that exists in Ukraine is that you'll have two groups of people and in each group, everyone talks in Ukrainian to each other because, you know, they all know each other. But then if one person from each group goes to ask the other group a question, they'll automatically start speaking Russian because they assume the other group doesn't speak Ukrainian. Right. And that's why I think that's a generational thing as opposed to fixing it with the law. But it's more about getting into habit, right? Because if you don't do it now, the kids... Our age and even younger, they'll be growing up into the situation where they'll hear Russian first in a supermarket and so they'll default to Russian. You're saying that it won't work for future, for current generation adults, right? But then if you don't change it for them, then you're not really changing it for the kids that will grow up with it. 
Well, it's kind of like, okay, like your shopping center example. If the person working at the shopping center would have gone through school only learning Ukrainian, therefore to them, Ukrainian will be their normal language. So, uh, me and Alexa and my dad, he grew up in Ukraine and he studied at school in Ukrainian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all 10 years, I think it was? 11. 11. Um, he did it all in Ukrainian, right? He got into uni, it was all Russian there. So, he had to learn Russian and study in Russian. Now, when he was growing, when he was at that stage, right, he mentioned to us that he thought that within five years, the Ukrainian, there was no point in really learning the Ukrainian language because once you got outside of school, no one ever spoke Ukrainian to you. It was all, uh, business was all in Russian, studying was all in Russian, work was all in Russian, right? Yeah. And so, he assumed that, that um, say a teacher went into uni, right, coming just from school from Ukrainian, they have to go to uni to learn it in Russian to go then back to school uh, to teach, right? Yeah. So, that's the whole point is that they're going from Ukrainian to Russian and then um, they realize that there's no point in learning in, in teaching in Ukrainian anymore because everything that I do now in day-to-day life is all in Russian. But like if the university, like if someone's going to university but now- this is, uh, Just to mention, this is during the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So, I'm saying now, if it's in Ukrainian, then they know, oh, when I go to uni, I have to learn in Ukrainian. And like you said, if all their business dealings in terms of like their websites and stuff like that need to be in Ukrainian, then that is giving them that exposure. So, it's like, it's not going to happen for the first generation because they'll have that issue. But then their kids will go to school and then their kids are going to grow up with- parents who are fluent in let's say both front russian and ukrainian and then those kids when they grow up they would have learnt primarily ukrainian with a bit of russian and so then their kids it's the russian is slowly going to start to like weed itself out of the norm yeah i think all this comes down to in the end is that in ukraina language is seen as the defining like one of the defining national traits so it's sort of like on that spectra for people in uh, quebec in canada like french for them is like a defining characteristic of their culture Mm -hmm. and i think that's why ukraine focuses so much on language because it's one of the easiest ways they can distinguish themselves from russia and break out of that sphere i think that's why like they pass the law with these specific things in that, like, you know, store shop, store clerk should be forced to greet people in Ukrainian. Yeah. I, I don't and know. Like, it's hard because... Because, like, in Canada, they have two state languages there. So, it's, like, it's acceptable. It would be different if, like, Canada's main language was English and then you had a whole section that was speaking French. But since, like, if you go to run for office in Canada, you need to be fluent in both because yeah. it is recognized as two state languages. But I just... Part I worry about is that they'll say, like, that they will kind of ease off on the education part. And then, because that's the main thing. And I know it takes a long time, but that's the main thing that's kind of going to transition the country back to being more Ukrainian language focused if everyone's speaking um, Ukrainian because they learnt it in school. That's what's happening in Crimea now with kids that are learning Russian. And that's why, like, Putin's occupation there, in from the Russian perspective, is you know, better because he's just waiting it out until everyone there is going to be harder to assimilate people back. 
And so that's why I think education should be the focus. But, you know, we'll see what happens with the law. But I feel like they've just opened up a whole can of words. Because I know, um, like, the uh, Russian Russians have already started propaganda saying, oh, it's all about, like, oppressing minority languages. And I feel like they, they kind of just picked a fight there that they kind of didn't need to do. I don't know if it's the rebellious um, part of my personality, but does anybody else feel like the fact that they're forcing people to speak in Ukrainian first is going to make people not want to do it like when mama tells me but i make a bed i'm like no i don't want to make my bed just because you told me but if she hadn't told me to make my bed i would have made my bed and i would have been fine like i don't know is the fact that we're forcing people to speak ukrainian gonna like be detrimental in any way but you can like sort of imagine it that it's more about getting people to start a habit about it because you know like when you're a kid you just kind of leave it and i still do right and mama still like mentions it about it saying like andre make your bed and, like, I do it most of the time, but then other times, like, say, like, the weekend, I'm just, like, too tired to, and I just leave it there. So, it's more about, like, getting people into the habit that Ukrainians should become, like, should be coming first in, like, businesses. I think that's what they're aiming for, really, it, rather than trying to, like, push people in and people trying to resist it. I mean, they're trying to avoid that situation. We should highlight that throughout Ukraine's independence, like Ukraine has always been the only state language. And so to get anywhere, like say in government or like high up, you need to be able to speak the language. And so I think what the government's trying to do is to prevent like a language ghetto being formed in Eastern Ukraine where they refuse to speak Ukrainian. Therefore, they can't get you know, higher paying jobs, therefore they can't break out of their, like, area. So I think it's trying to make Ukrainian more accessible to everyone. And I know, like, last year, like, they created three Ukrainian language classes for for adults so that they could go and learn um, Ukrainian in, like, a non... like, in a non-school environment. But then I think the other thing, and I think this is even an issue in the diaspora is that a lot of people are scared to speak Ukrainian because everyone's terrified of making a grammatical mistake. And that's why it should be, like, education, like, to the max, trying to educate. Because remember how you said socially people speak Russian, but then... then yeah, Ukrainian. So they'll speak socially between themselves and Yuki, but then if they meet a new person... No, you're talking about, like, before you said that the social speech in Russian isn't going to be monitored. It's more... Yeah, so... I think the better solution is if that's social speech, like people will go home and they'll talk Russian and then they go out to the business and they'll talk Ukrainian and they'll go back home and speak Russian. I think the better approach is if they went home and spoke Ukrainian because they learnt it in at school. school. That's Yeah, but how are you going to regulate that without becoming No, no I'm not like- saying regulate it. It should become natural and that's what happens over generations of schooling. Haven't they already introduced like this language law into like schools and like so, yeah, reinforced from it? from 2020, all schools have to teach in Ukrainian and then national minorities can teach in their native language up until year five. So there's already like strategies to deal with um, the future generation to learning Ukrainian, but it's more expanding about, it's more about expanding uh, the use of the Ukrainian language in the public space. Well, we should say that, um, what is it? I'm pretty sure Yevromaidan Press, they've counted that in Ukraine's history the ukrainian language has been banned 60 times and i think it kind of comes back that they've got a lot of ground to catch up on to make ukrainian mainstream see which takes time see if they had done this in for example like england right where they made english uh sorry in the uk they made english the predominant language so like whenever whichever store you went to english was always first see that would 
dis, uh, this would disadvantage uh, like Irish and Scottish and Welsh, right? It makes yeah. sense there. But, um, and it's because the English language is already predominantly spoken there. While in Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian doesn't have that same like leverage or it's not, or it's not even on that same level as English. It would kind of be it's like- not the Irish. predominant one. It would kind of be like the Irish speakers in, you know, needing to be forced to speak um, English, even though they're Irish speakers. It would be like, that's, it's kind of that example because Ukrainian was like the Irish version that was being suppressed. Yeah. Well, in saying that, like the law in itself has done a lot. So, since the law has been published, Ukrainian cinema and culture has exploded because the government's created the environment for it to flourish. So, like the number of Ukrainian movies has like increased, the number of Ukrainian language content on TV and radio has increased because the government has forced like a market to be created. So before that, Ukrainian entertainment was dominated by Russian because you had the easy access to, you know, a country with 180 million speakers plus the whole post-Soviet space. It was easier to make content in Russian because then you could sell it abroad. But now because companies are forced, it's allowed that creativity to like flourish. I get that. I think it's more the service one I have the problem with. Because, like, services is more just discussions and conversations, and it's kind of, like, dictating conversations. I think it's more that aspect as opposed to, like, the um, the film and all the other ones. Can you be fined under this rule? Like, so, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the customer. I, I understand, like, the shop owner and, like, the clerks will obviously be fined, right? Because it affects them, but I was just wondering about like, customers. So, what we should highlight is is that this law does not affect private communication. So, you can be in your own home- you can be having a birthday party. You can talk in whatever language you want. Um, what the law does say is that um, it firstly created a language ombudsman that will monitor the law. And if they catch a business that has violated the law, they're issued with a warning and they're given a month to rectify their compliance. And then there is fines written into the law, but the maximum penalty is equivalent to 200 US dollars. Yeah. So, it's not, you know, they're not going out of their way to try and cripple business and they're giving them a pretty long amount of time, like a month to fix. So, and the minister did say that, like, they're not going to go out of their way to issue fines. So, I think it'd be like if someone was persistently stubborn. Well, I think it's, it's a first step to creating something to protect the Ukrainian language and expanding on it. It's just obviously you're going to have problems with it. And I think it's all just coming to... uh, It's more about figuring out what works and what doesn't and moving on from there. So, Alexa, in our previous story, you mentioned that this new Ukrainian law had allowed the Ukrainian um, film industry and TV industry to flourish. And that has actually come true. Um, Most recently, Netflix has released its first film dubbed in Ukrainian called Outside the Wire. That's pretty cool, I reckon. The fact that, you know, an American company is going out of its way to dub a movie into Ukrainian. Yeah, and it shows that there is... um like you mentioned earlier, like a market that's growing for it. And 
um, it's it's giving uh, Ukrainians more opportunity to watch these movies in their own home la- uh, native language rather than having to learn uh, another language to listen to it. So, what's this movie about, guys? So, it's about a civil war in Ukraine that leads to the US having to deploy peacekeeping forces. And uh, this is obviously the future. So, they have drones, they have AI, and um, they have this new, how do I say it? This new um, soldier that is a machine, he's all AI, and it tells the story of him and this human soldier. Uh, going along their mission to prevent a terrorist attack. It's and an interesting concept. I'm surprised they even did it in Ukraine, like the setting. Uh, I thought they'd just do some other random country, really. Like Ukraine never really gets mentioned in films. But I think the plotline of the movie is quite apt. I mean, you read it and it says, the action thriller is set in 2036 in a Ukraine torn by a civil war. And I'm like, oh, is that predicting something? Like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first in a long line of hopefully future cooperation between Netflix and Ukraine because Netflix has announced that it's going to start filming movies in Ukraine. So I think hopefully we'll start seeing some more content and hopefully it won't just be about the war or, you know, hypothetical wars. If you're looking to watch some Ukrainian content and, you know, you don't have Netflix or you don't want to watch a Western movie that's only dubbed in Ukrainian, uh, uh, released an episode last year, episode 20, Ukraine's Journey into Space. And uh, in that episode, we uh, discussed a new initiative called Tuckflix, which allowed um, Ukrainian filmmakers and directors to uh, feature their Ukrainian films, um, but like in a way that people would be able to access. Yeah, so from memory, you pay $2 to watch any movie you want. So it's pretty cool. Um, Check it out, guys. On behalf of UK Life Abroad, we'd like to congratulate the Association of Ukrainians in Great Britain on their 75th anniversary. Founded in 1946 by Ukrainians who came to Great Britain at the end of World War II, The organisation now operates a network of 28 local branches across the UK, each with their own social and cultural centres. They also run a reference library and archive in London and publish a fortnightly bilingual English-Ukrainian newspaper, Ukrainska Dumka. President Zelensky has congratulated newly elected President Biden on his inauguration and invited him to visit Ukraine. Ambassador to the US Vladimir Yelchenko represented Ukraine at the ceremony, which was watched live by Zelensky from his office. Ukrainian rapper and songwriter Alyona Alyona has become a winner of the Music Moves Europe Talent Awards 2021. Out of all the nominees, she also won the most votes, making her the winner of the Public's Choice Award 2021. On the 16th of January, Ukraine commemorated Cyborg's Remembrance Day to honour those who defended Donetsk airport in the opening stages of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The cyborgs held Donetsk airport for 242 days in terrible conditions, prompting acknowledgement of their courage by the Russians. A hundred Ukrainian servicemen were killed and more than 300 wounded during this time. Ukraine's presidential office has announced that on August 23rd, Kiev will host the inaugural Crimean Platform Summit. The event will bring world leaders together to discuss strategies to end Russia's occupation of the peninsula. It will be linked with the 30th anniversary of Ukraine's independence celebrated on August 24th. 
Let us know which stories you'd like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week for more UK Life Abroad content.